0: It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. We are so thrilled today to have Jeffrey Bornman to joining us. He is a mind-body trainer he's also a coach. Here's what I love most about Jeffrey, and this really embodies everything that he talks about, and it comes right from his bio. As a mind-body trainer, it became clear to me that our overall state of wellness is directly proportional to our relationship with self, and thus training the body successfully also requires training and self-examination, Self efficiency, self motivation, self control, self awareness—it all comes back to self. Welcome, Jeffrey. We are so happy to have you to here today with us.
1: It is a delight, a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to be here to talk about the '80s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, and first, what we've got going on is our big reveal, where we start the show, which is what is that '80s song? that really resonates with the story that you're going to tell today.
1: Well, you probably don't want me to sing it for you. Because <laughs> uh, that wouldn't... I, well, once you hear it, you have to say, obviously. But uh, it starts, uh, I believe the children are the future teach them well and let them lead the way, you know know what that is?
0: Yes, I do. (laughs) Greatest love of all.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes.
0: Whitney Houston.
1: That's right. Yes. And that's really the moment she hit the scene. So when that song came along, like she had just, just blew us away with that voice and that incredible countenance and persona, her beauty and her, that vocal strength. So the fact that the lyrics are so incredible, is almost like icing on the cake after we got Whitney Houston.
0: Jeffrey, tell us about your story that really resonates with this song.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to to share it. Because even though the song actually landed a little past the time in my story where that happened, the moment where I decided I was going to learn to love myself, that moment came a few years before that. But let me go back to the 70s for a minute. <laughs> uh, when I was in middle school. And in fifth grade, I don't know if that's still the same now, but then it was that you would go to, we went to a middle school. But before that, I went to uh, just my local elementary school with all my friends. And, you know, we all grew up together. We all knew each other. We all played and had fun. But at middle school, I went to a school now, same school districts, you know, my kid, all my circle went with me, but it was now a filler, a feeder school from all the other small, uh, local elementary schools. And when I got to school, there was that first day, an obvious awareness that I was not like everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, I got to be, my brother was a few years older and Scott, my brother, was there already at school and super popular. He is the smartest kid in school, best looking guy uh, on every sports team, athletically gifted. And you know, had really paved a way for me to have a beautiful middle school and junior high life. Teachers loved him. Administrators loved him. It was, you know, the perfect uh, opportunity to have a really great childhood. And on that first day of school, everybody took one look at me and said, how could that little faggot be Scott's little brother? Wow. And it uh, escalated from there into all kinds of bullying, both at school And also at home. And, you know, my brother who had, I don't know that he was consciously trying to set it up so that I would have a great life in middle school and junior high and then high school. But he had, that was an opportunity there. And all he was getting was a bunch of uh, crap from, I guess, his friends and everybody else. Like, you know, why is your brother such a fag? Uh, Just queer running the family, that kind of stuff. So he used to beat me up pretty regularly uh, when he would get home from football practice or wrestling practice or basketball practice or baseball practice where he would then take that from his friends and bring it home and pound the crap out of me because of that. plus there were other things that were happening. I don't mean to say he was just directing his anger at me being myself, but you can imagine if at home if at school if in every uh environment, I found myself, I was subjected to uh, somebody's opinion that <laughs> you know, readily implied that I wasn't a worthy person. Right. Uh, I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old when all mm. of that was happening. And if you think of your own kids and your own life and time when those things were happening, the very last thing that was being inculcated into my beingness was self-love. Mm-hmm. and was uh, self-esteem and worthiness. It was the exact opposite of that. That you know, again, the first day of school, I showed up and it was just my personhood. I anything I had done that was all of a sudden, uh, it was unacceptable and, you know, just wrong. And so that continued for some years until there was finally a day where it just... Occurred to me that that's just not how I'm going to live my life. And uh, a lot of things happened. Uh, my brother went off to college. My father, my stepfather was sick in the hospital and he was gone for most of the year of uh, 11th grade. And my mom was with him, obviously, trying to take care of him or working herself, plus running the household. So in that time frame, I was really left to my own devices and uh, I really thrived. I right. really. Uh, you know, like I could, I enjoyed my friendships. I enjoyed going to school. I enjoyed the activities I was a part of. I was good at those things. And, you know, without conscious awareness of it, a sense of self-love was starting to show itself in my life and in my experiences, because, you know, it starts inside of us and works its way out. The, uh, real moment of truth came though, when my brother came home from college and, uh, naturally his mindset was the same as it had been a year before and he started with the punching and the kicking and the hitting and because that's what he knows you know that's that's our relationship you know like i'm your big brother i'm gonna pound the crap out of you and that's how we're gonna get along in life but i had had this year really of my own time by myself or in my own you know space making my choices and things were going well And going you know i was being rewarded for that and so, and that was the first time that that had ever happened in my life. And so, you know, how grateful I am for those circumstances that it made it so that I could have that time to organically see that about myself. And uh, that day that he it wasn't the exact day he got home from school, but shortly after that, where he started with a fight, I just started fighting back right. and just literally uh, began to uh, almost kill him. I mean, it was that much cumulative, of course, resentment and anger, but also uh, desperation that I'm not, this is not me. And this is not my experience anymore. That person doesn't live here anymore. And uh, that was such a dramatic event in our household that day. You can imagine a huge fight between two grown up (laughs) young men. And But I didn't necessarily feel proud of myself at that moment. I knew for sure that I didn't want any of this to be me. These were not going to be my circumstances. This is not how I was going to live my life. And so I really decided a few months after that, that I wasn't going to be a hateful, bitter person. I wasn't going to respond with negativity to people's unfortunate misunderstandings. I was going to learn how I knew that I was going to my senior year of high school. And I decided that by the time I get to college, I'm going to choose a school and an environment where I can just learn to be the person that I don't even know who he is. And that wasn't just about uh, learning about and and, uh, embracing and coming into my sexuality. That was almost immaterial. I was talking and feeling about my personhood, Mm -hmm. like my gift to humanity, my purpose on this planet, my relationship with the creator. Those were the things and my talents and my skills and what do I have to offer to the world? How does the world work and where do I fit into it? All of those things that any kid is asking himself, but I consciously decided that I was going to make that choice, to be investigating, learning how to love myself. So a few years later, I'm in college, and this song comes out, Learning to Love Yourself is the Greatest Gift of All. And so it even though it, the song didn't create the turning point, it was such a positive anthem for the journey that I had sort of been bumbling around trying to find my way on. Like, is it possible to learn to love yourself? Is that a thing? Because who's teaching us these ideas in childhood? And again, my parents were great parents in some ways, but these were not concepts that they had been taught. And so then their ability to teach those things, and in the midst of all the other drama that was happening, it went on attended to. So I didn't necessarily have a guide or a teacher or a coach or a trainer taking me through this process. I had me finding my way. And then Whitney Houston with that unbelievable voice and that beautiful everything that she is, still is, even if yes. she's not in the current body that we remembered her in. All that beauty comes along with this song that, you know, really shares the idea of this journey that I had found myself on. And if anything, I would say it just it's solidified that exactly right. I'm in the right, I'm I'm doing the right thing, you know, finding my way, learning to love myself is the greatest love of all that's more important than going off to college to find a trade to get a piece of paper that says i'm skilled at this particular craft and can do that job of course i will get that yes <laughs> that's you know <laughs> i do my work so i'm going to get that piece of paper that says and that set of skills that come along with that piece of paper but the idea that to choose to go to choose a college so that I was in an environment specifically where I get to experience myself and explore myself. It was just so lovely to have that piece of truth presented that you're just keep doing what you're doing child. I got you. I love you. And I got a whole life ahead of you for you laid out was sort of, you know, from on high, that clarity coming from her voice. Like, you know, you're doing what I'm, what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Yes, uh, Jeffrey, I, I have to say, the story that you tell is, is just so incredible about perseverance and about learning to love yourself, even, even when it feels as though everybody is not honoring you in that way whatsoever. Yes. And what it took, that resilience, what it took for you, that courage. And it sounds like that, you know, it happened in waves, you know, the first time. You had the environment, your brother was gone, your parents were a little distracted with some things going on and, and it was just you and you. Yes. And in that moment, and you made that decision, you took that step and said, you know what? This is not how my story is going to go. Yes. And taking that baby step forward or a big, well, actually really, it's more of a big leap forward. And then having that opportunity, you know, to hash it out as brothers would. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. mister, I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> yes, and having had siblings myself, obviously, and now I having having two children, you know, uh, <laughs> it does become like call to the wild sometimes. And
1: <laughs> yes, well, I'll tell you, yeah, it's so important, or it turned out to be important for me, but I th- I think it's probably important for a lot of people. Even that hashing it out, even that battle that you know really defined some of the way things went was so important. Because that was, I wasn't happy there either. So it wasn't like, all right, you know, I showed him and shut that shit down. Right. It weighed on me. Yeah. That that's who I could easily become. Mm -hmm. And that that was, you know, all things are possible. We're all, you know, born with the seeds of greatness and the seeds of failure and destruction. Yes. And so when I was clear about the fact that I didn't want to be that person either. Either. It was so valuable that I had the beauty of that, you know, time Mm -hmm. as you're talking about of me sort of being on my own and making my own decisions and, and it all going well and me being at peace with myself, but then to have the contrast of the opposite of that saying like, I have to fight my enemy, you know, I have to shut that down because, you know, we're not going to keep that going. That wasn't the answer either. And I'm so grateful that I had that contrast growing up in my whole lifetime. That constant having to swim upstream against the all of those other people's opinions and all those other people's hatred and ignorance. I mean, you know, hatred comes out of ignorance and fear. It's not like they were, I can say that now, that they were directing it at me. It was their own lack of understanding of how to embrace life that they were struggling with that then, you know, their crap landed on me. I didn't know that at the time. I can tell you that now. Yes. But I'm so grateful that I had it, nonetheless.
0: Yes, it reminds me of the lyric in the song. It's like if I fail, if I succeed. Yes, you can't take away my dignity.
1: Yes, I love that you brought if that I up. If I fail,
0: what was it? If I fail, if I succeed, I
1: succeed. At least I lived as I did, believe. I believe, At no least matter I what they take.
0: As I believe, that's it. Yes. So because yes. that's you, Jeffrey. I mean, I yes. know you well over the years yes. now. And I mean, that's so you, and that represents that other, that piece of the story you were referring to that, like, you know, it didn't feel great to like go at my brother like that, that whole, that did not feel like you. And, no, you know, and not. you're like, like if I fail, if I succeed, that's.
1: I hadn't really thought about it, but I love that you brought that up because I will say, I mean, I, ha- I thought about it at the time that one lyric. So if I could say the other lyric, the whole song sort yes. of became, a, an anthem to give me a sense of, like, yes, what you're doing is correct. But I don't know that before that, so here I'm midway through college when this song comes out, early college. Right. That statement, that idea, that's right, I'm going to live as I believe.
0: As i leave live as I believe.
1: Like it hadn't necessarily locked in yet. Mm-hmm. But then that, just the way she sings it, you know, with yeah. that, with with <laughs> God, I can't take away yes. my dignity. Yes. Exactly. Like, are like, oh, yes, that's right. You know, like right. it resonated with this young man's mind. Totally. Like, that's exactly right. You're doing the exact right thing, Jeffrey. That's what the universe was telling me. You. You're learning to love yourself and you live this life your way. Right. And love the people around you your way. That's all you can expect out of this lifetime. If you want a good life, live it your way and love the people around you. And that just resonated so clearly. So I'm so happy that you brought that up about that. Yeah, that 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 lyric
0: goes right into that. Yeah.
1: Yes, so true. So true. And
0: it's so you in the way that you coach like that, you are living that. And we can talk, I want to talk a little bit more about and dig in a little deeper about specifically what strengths do you think you gained from that experience and then how you use them now? What strengths at that time do you think you gained from that?
1: That's such a beautiful question. And I will tell you that I am a life coach. I've been a personal trainer for 30 years and I love it. I love every day of it. I love it. I, every, if I'm at any, at the end of any day that I'm ever proud of what I've done and I can say to God, I earned tomorrow father. It was always because I was referring back to something that happened in session with a client. Yeah. And yeah, The interesting piece of that whole reality is that answer your question about what did I learn then? I never set out for that as my career. It was my own journey of learning to love myself, literally, and Mm -hmm. learning. So looking for, searching for techniques, practices, wisdom, experience, teachings, coaches, although they weren't really referred to that at the time, you know, teachers and leaders, thought leaders that could take me to the tools where I could learn it. That was what I was doing. And at a certain point, I realized that if I don't have this knowledge, if I didn't have it innately and I didn't have it taught to me, that means that's true of probably most of the people on the planet.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That I'm not so unique or entirely unique that my experience is one of very, very, very few. I bet my experience is one of very, very many. So what I really started to do, even in college, I can, I started training my friends. (laughs) I, you know, my roommates and I would sit up late at night in our bunk beds in the dorm room and uh, you know, talk about these very things that I'm talking about with you today about loving ourselves. Maybe not under that heading that mean, but certainly that content. Yes. And uh, so what i learned really were the practices that uh, of forgiveness forgiveness that again accepting that if it hadn't been for the forces against me i would have never developed the strength to live my life as i believe no matter what they take from me they can't take away my dignity to live into that if i hadn't had the you know the other constant thing hitting me up the side of the head all the time I wouldn't have developed that strength. I wouldn't even have developed that reality or clarity that that was what I should do, that that was a goal. Yes. Gratitude. So forgiveness and gratitude go hand in hand. And I really believe that there's healing in forgiveness and there's healing in gratitude. And they go, they're connected because the more you can say thank you for those problems, those people, uh, those situations, those aspects of myself that At that time, and let's also add the backdrop of coming out during the height of the AIDS crisis. So there was nobody on the world. Nobody saying, "Oh, you know, (laughs) you know, it's a good thing. You just be you, baby. You just be you." (laughs) In fact, no, that's God's curse. That's what they earned. That's God trying to clean the planet of gay people. That's what was in my ear as I was learning to love myself in the early '80s. Yeah as yeah. this is all happening.
0: bring up a great point. And it's that you said with gratitude, and then you also talked about how people, how experiences are what were done for you, how you could have learned from them. And I heard a quote recently, which which is that people didn't do things to me. They did it for me. Whereas you, you learn from what you gain from yes. those experiences, what you learn is painful as yes. they are it's amazing what strengths you gain from those experiences.
1: And in fact, I love that, Patricia. I love that because I, if I look at my own life, I cannot conceive under what other set of circumstances first into which I was born, meaning family, body, DNA, mind, those circumstances as well as then the path that I had no choice but to walk. So it's not, you know, sometimes there's a, you can choose your path. Sometimes the path is laid out for you that this is your work to do in this lifetime. I can't imagine under what other circumstances I could have become the person that I am. Mm -hmm. So talk about grateful for the things that people have done for me. They were my angels. Yeah. You know, they literally, even though it was painful and it was like being stabbed with a fork and it was... <laughs> just images are flying through my mind as I say these things. It was painful, but thank God they were there, because who you become along the way—that's like a gift that you can never get under any other set of circumstances. Yeah, you know, we refine gold in fire. When we get it down to its purest, most precious, irredu- irre- irreducible essence, is through the fire. Mm-hmm. Thank God those people loved me enough to set me on fire.
0: Right, tell me, Jeffrey. It's very powerful. Tell me how you use those strengths today. Tell me, like you know, we here we are in the middle of COVID, and uh, you know, how are you continuing to use these strengths in twenty twenty?
1: Uh, such a great question. Because again, outside of my plans for my life, <laughs> um, what has happened is, as I said, I started teaching, guiding, having conversations with, but with the conscious knowledge that the conversation was meant to put an idea into conversation so that then it would be in the mind of the individual. So I wasn't training people, but I was training people. And again, you know, those when you go off to college and all of a sudden, you know, you've had philosophy and you've had political science and you've had World cultures, so you had all these classes that suddenly opened your mind to all the ways that society is actually structured because as a kid, you just sort of bounce through it going, oh, this is what we do. This is what they do. This is how this works. Now, all of a sudden, of course, you go to school and your mind is open to all of this other aspect of looking at your life. So my mind was open to these things as well. And I opened to the idea of, well, wait a minute, then why am I not trying to be influential in the lives of the people around me so that I can structure a society that I want, that I want to live in, that I, that would be different than the structure that set me on fire or, you know, so in the process, what I, I have just kept on training people and it's become a career beyond my wildest imagination. And I kept fighting it. I sort of like I would do. It was like being a lifeguard to me. Like personal training was a ball, and I loved every day of it and every minute of it. And, and I, but I would be like, you know, I can't be thirty and still be a personal trainer because again, this was in the 1980s when people, the, the, you know, there was no profession of personal training. There were people in very high echelons of society that knew they needed to keep a certain level of fitness to be able to maintain the the very high-demanding careers and professions that they maintained. Obviously, people, they were athletes. that athletic endeavor was, in fact, their profession. And then there were celebrities and people that, you know, were training for purpose of appearance. But, again, it was not a career. <laughs> there were a few people doing that for a few people. So I never thought of it as a way to make a life. And uh, yet, very much, it has given me an unbelievably magical life. So when I, you ask how I use it today, I continue to grow. I continue to love myself. I continue to understand who I am, what my message, I mean, message is so almost too weak, w- what my real sense of belonging on this planet is, what I promised God I would do right. when I took possession of this body. Purpose. 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 Exactly. And, yep. you and I talk about that so we frequently, talk about it. how important it is to really understand what it is you're doing here. And in fact, that's the thing that I would say, I can't self-love was the first step in the process of really understanding your purpose. Absolutely. Because once you start to embrace the past, embrace your journey, embrace your skills and your talents and your gifts, and embrace those people that are stabbing you with a fork just the same, realizing that they're just going down their journey. It's not you. It's not personally at you. It's their experience and their fear. Once you have that sense of self-love, then you can really see that, wait a minute, uh, the world needs love. The world needs that more than anything. And if I was so unaware of how to create it and I didn't understand that it all comes from within, the way I get love from the world is all reflective of the love that I have inside of myself. And so learning that then really gives clarity to the understanding that I need to understand where my gift is, where my yeah. gift goes, what's my path of contribution? How do I give this love to the world that's in me that I can see is my Gift to give to the world, but I'm not exactly sure what package or what vehicle it goes in. Finding that purpose yeah. is uh, just to finish up on that thought. Any client that comes to me today for life coaching, for personal training, for anything, this conversation, not all the how I got to the clarity about it, but this conversation about understanding the importance of understanding what you're doing on this planet, what you're doing here, and what is your gift. How are you, first of all, embracing the love that is your true essence? and how are you packaging it and sharing it with the world. Without that knowledge, there's really no way to build the life that's in your mind for yourself. Certainly fitness doesn't matter because the fitness goals that I set for you that are just sort of random, what your doctor thinks you should do that are random, or how you wanna look like the person on the billboard, has nothing to do with what you're really here to accomplish. Once you truly understand that and start to embrace that, then the idea of what we do together in your fitness or where we're coaching you through the sticking points in your life and out of those difficult areas of your life, now all of a sudden the work we can do is on point. But it's really about your fullness and your gift to the world, not just, oh, I need to make a certain dollar amount or I need a certain dress size or I need a a one rep max of a certain amount in the gym. Those things we could all work on, Mm -hmm. but now they have reason. And now there's an understanding of why we're doing that and where that fits into your overall plan.
0: Yes. It's really so many strengths, so many strengths you bring and to your coaching practice now. And I've gotten, I mean, I've been really fortunate to see, you know, being part of Bo Eason's program and you're a coach for Bo Eason, I've gotten to see the outcome of the people that you've coached. And it's it's quite remarkable to see development happen. And that self-loving, yes. One little thing I want to touch on before we move into trends of the '80s and we and we wrap it up is I believe that children are our future. And given that yes. I'm a mom of two boys, yes. how do you know how to show them how to love themselves? And one thing that resonated with me on how I'm parenting, especially in this COVID-19, where you know they're not at school, they're zooming, you know, into classrooms and connecting that way, and yet they're getting Things out of it, but they're not directly in that experience. It's like, mm-hmm. how do I continue to have them continue to build their self-esteem and their self-love, yes. Yes. et cetera? And I feel a couple ways. Number one, one early on in parenting, I learned that I use the words, instead of saying, I'm proud of you, I say, you should be proud of yourself. And
1: so beautiful.
0: The reason why I choose those words is because I want it to be about them finding pride in what they do and them being proud and seeing that they did their best work and see the outcome of the fruits of their labor and it's not about me you know i'm yes. out of the equation and of course yes. they want to they want their parents to be proud of them of course you know that's a uh, natural they want to right
1: you're supposed to say that you're my mom. right? <laughs> but that's, uh, that's what they say. But what they really will feel is like, is oh, their self, you know, is, yes. exactly. I got, I got, you know, like, I got a good from mom.
0: Yeah. Right. Yes. And so, you know, so early on, I've been trying to instill that. And even in this, you know, COVID-19 experience, you know, I feel, you know, celebrating their successes, you know, when, you know, Jeffrey, uh, was used as the class example for something. You know, we celebrated. You know, his success, and and I say, how does that make you feel? And I try to bring that emotion into that experience for them. And I feel like in raising children, and that children are our future. It's like, how do we continue to facilitate that? And for you, you know, with your coaching clients, it's also not just the people you're coaching, but their children as well. Because I know you, you coach a lot of parents, so. There's yes. just such that trickle-down. Always. I'm just...
1: I love that you brought that up. And you know what I'm really loving, too, is the, uh, the more we talk about the lyrics, that one lyric also is so heavy with importance in that I believe the children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. And I love that you brought that in because if you think about... I, I've been thinking about this a lot in the last couple of weeks. All of these trillions of dollars that we are putting into the economy for the purpose of keeping that going. I mean, absolutely appropriate, but there's a likelihood that that money is gonna come from some other place in our normal budget. And if it turns out that it comes out of education budgets, it comes out of arts and humanities, it comes out of music, it comes out of public parks and recreation, we're gonna have a generation of kids that are really gonna not have a place to discover the things we're talking about. That because uh, you know when you go out and play just with your friends out in the yard, out in the park, out in nature, that stuff. If those are not places they can go, or uh, if you know after school programs, I mean, and I mean like extracurricular activities are less available. Let alone field trips to theater, to museums, to concerts, those kinds of things that give kids the opportunity to find themselves. I think more than ever, if there's one thing that I, this song. And this idea really resonates for right now, 2020, COVID-19, is that we desperately need to be aware that our kids are going to need more of this learning than ever before. Mm -hmm. That, you know, they're not playing with their friends because they're at home. They're, you know, again, who knows how far behind they're going to be in school in between, you know, age-wise, what they should know grade-wise, how many kids are just going to get pushed forward because they're the right age. We already know that happens. Imagine that now happening, kids missing six months, a year, 18 months of school. Right. If there's one tool that we can give this generation of kids that's in the middle of COVID-19, it absolutely is a set of tools that teach them and guide them to love themselves. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest gift of all. Mm-hmm. And we all know that self-love is the place from which all of our life emanates and grows how I feel about myself, the thoughts I entertain, the words I share, the images I have inside of me, those are the things that create my external experience. They create my conditions. They create my relationships. It all starts here. Absolutely. I can't imagine you brought up such a perfect, beautiful element of the greatest love of all.
0: Greatest love of all. And I'm so grateful for you to share your story today and bringing in this amazing song that is so much part of our lives in every way. And um, I also want to spend the last couple minutes talking a little bit about 80s trends. All right. Yes. So I want to squeeze this in before we wrap. Great. All right. Here's a little, a little trivia on, you know, what, Jeffrey, what was your very favorite trend? First, let's talk about what you're wearing. You know, he, he
1: yes. has, he, Chosen he has specifically.
0: his, exactly, okay, let's, let's back up. So first of all, he actually put a cassette tape into his boom box, which he has, yes. and which boom is box. pretty, yes. pretty magnificent. He has a boom box. And in addition,
1: well, I have cassettes. I'm going to need something to play them on. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> totally. A hundred percent. So, um, you, he also is wearing the most amazing pink shirt Absolutely beautiful color on you, Jeffrey. And a very It nice.
1: was the 80s. Pink yeah. was a thing. Pink was a thing. Remember he Miami Vice? Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> he's got that Miami Vice vibe. You can't see him, but he's just imagine. And a nice pinstriped uh vest on with the yes. white uh in the back,
1: which is right
0: key you know absolutely right.
1: i'm not wearing my levi's 501 jeans but i could be <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: yes and i specifically i went out for a walk this morning to just prepare for this and i happened to put on a t-shirt that says uh love yourself love yourself nice. made by savvy and and I'm like what are the chances that i you know i put this shirt on this morning I, it's kind of got the off the shoulder action, like a little flash dance vibe. Yes, and typically I'm a little Kara, Yes, <laughs> uh, in my um, I'm a little more professional in my podcast. But I was like, no, love yourself T-shirt has to go on for this today, and a little off the shoulder, you know, situation.
1: I love that. I love it.
0: All right, what was your favorite clothing trend of the 1980s?
1: Mm, so it depends. That's a great question because that's funny. I hadn't so when. Uh, let me back up real fast. In the preparation of choosing a song, I went through so many artists that were so popular during the day. And I could just, you know, anywhere from, just like, think of all of it, from Holland & Oates to AHA to Bon Jovi to Tina Turner, Annie Lennox, Journey to Police, Genesis and Phil Collins, NXS, Depeche Mode, Cindy Lauper. I mean, like there's a hundred of them you can go down. And every single one of them was like they broke the mold and it was about self-love even if their lyrics weren't specifically about self-love, it was that they had such a unique defined sense of self Yes, that like, that's what we loved about their music, but that's what we loved about those artists. Right. And so like just the whole idea of the eighties really sort of then got encapsulated in that, in that song, in that one song that we chose for today. But that's a little separate thing. So, but I started thinking about some of the trends that I really liked about the eighties and I had a pink eyesod shirt, you know, with my collar yes. flipped up. So that's what made me pull this pink shirt out today. How many but of those? How eyes-eyed many shirts? collars?
0: How many collars? Because you know that was when uh, you wore I would always definitely two. wear two.
1: two. Sure. So colors. you have a contrasting color yes. under oh uh, well, you'd have you could potentially have two. you wouldn't splend you wouldn't mix your polo shirts with your Izod shirts, Mike. So you'd have two Izods on, one yes. with a color under it and a color, you know, yes, that was the actual colors. shirt. Or of course, I lived in the East Coast, so you would have your IZOD popping up, your little collar pop up, then your, you know, your Pima cotton button down under that, over that. Right. And then perhaps like a sweater a or something over that.
0: Right. And then try to tuck that in.
1: Right. I mean, exactly. into your designer <laughs> jeans, by the way, which were Not your chick Jordache teams. or Not your chick. Calvin Klein, your chick, your Gloria Vanderbilt, whatever you were wearing. Yes. Sassoons. Remember, like yes. you couldn't touch anything into those, a shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> no. But remember Rubik's cube? Oh yeah. You know, and, uh, break dancing and then sort of all of electric electronic music beat machines yeah. and synthesizers and all that sort of stuff so good spiked hair I would yeah. if I could have gotten to the barber I, I might I have spiked my hair Spiked your today. hair today yes because that yeah. was definitely a look I enjoy uh, sporting you yeah, know so narrow lapels and vests of course like the one I'm wearing now I yeah. wore a lot of those absolutely, with, usually with a, a skinny tie you know mm-hmm. so that was sort of so
0: good. Yeah. So good. You had that Don Johnson Miami Vice vibe.
1: Yes, yes. Or so it was some shoulder <laughs> shoulder pads sort of a loose Dynasty. construct jacket. <laughs> yeah, Dynasty. I didn't ever watch that show, yeah. but that was definitely an eighties. Right. My favorite T V show was Moonlighting. In the oh, 80s. I love
0: that. That was oh, Candace just, Bergen, right? Candace um, Bergen. Was that no, right? Sibyl no, Sybil Shepard. Sybil S- Shepherd. Very much yep.
1: Candace Bergen was, was that was kind of the nineties that Murphy yeah, Brown that was, that okay, was. Murphy
0: Brown. That was right. That was right. But that Sorry. was
1: a great uh, yes. that was really a fun show too. Yes. Just
0: yes. Yes. That was a great yes. show.
1: Yes. And when so Bruce good. Willis sort of came on the scene out of nowhere in that show.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Jeffrey, I want to thank you so much for, you know, having us ha- coming on this, uh, podcast today. It's always a pleasure. And I could like literally talk to you for hours about all things, 80s and yes. all of the above. Um, so I just want to thank you again for, for coming on and, um, they can find you at spiritfire.com as well as bowEason.com. Those are two uh, places where Jeffrey, uh, coaches. So I highly recommend you check him out.
1: Let me say something about that. Those are two places that learning to love yourself is actually the work that we do. Very good. At spiritfire, it's, you learn, it's meditation and understanding of your truest self. And the way I like to think about it is if you look back at pictures from 20 or 30 years ago and you see yourself, there's always that, you're like, God, I I wish I had understood how handsome or pretty I was, how smart I was, all the energy that's in that kid's face and in those sparkling eyes. And like we look back and as the observer from the future, we can see who we were even though we didn't feel that at the time. Yes. And I keep some pictures around me like that for that same reason because that just reminds me that, oh, yeah, you're better than you know, Jeffrey. Just you're better than you know. And the process of meditation puts you into the observer's viewpoint. So learning to meditate gives you that view over your life the same way it's uh, like you looking back at a picture of yourself from your youth you get this opportunity to look at life from the all knowingness in the same way you can look back at your childhood from the adults knowingness that you didn't have then. Very cool. That's why I really would direct people to go to Spirit Fire. And if you don't learn, if you don't know how to meditate, start practicing there. That's
0: the place. Awesome.
1: And then of course, I work with Bo Easton, who's the the world's best story coach. He really is just, there is nothing better. There is no one better. And it's such an honor and a privilege to get to work with his clients and help coach them in their storytelling, but learning to love your story, just the, some of the elements of the story that I told you today that I hadn't embraced, I hadn't thought of the value of them. I didn't understand the value of them and learning to love my story and share it and tell it freely with people is such a powerful healing tool and such a powerful tool for forgiveness that we talked about and gratitude that we talked about and the real task of getting to learn to love yourself that we talked about, that comes through telling your story. Yes. And that's one of the reasons that I work with Bo because it really is a, a tool for accomplishing that overall aspect of truly learning to love yourself in a way that it creates the life that you want.
0: Absolutely. And that's essentially why also I started this podcast is there is so much power in the story and it's really about, you know, the audience seeing themselves in the stories that are being told and what they can learn from that. And who doesn't love the eighties? I mean, you talk to anybody, you know, they, who doesn't, I mean, there's just that energy, that excitement that, yes. you know, that the eighties brings. And I think it's, to me, it's a perfect pair. Well, Jeffrey, thanks again for coming in and you can learn more about Patricia Freiberg at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Check me out, Instagram, Patricia Freiberg. Thank you guys uh, so much. And until next time, let's go listen to some Whitney Houston. Everything you ever needed to know, you learned from an 80s song. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80s song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.